2: But his story, just heartbreaking, blows my mind, and he's here to be an inspiration to young folk. Where I just knew
3: I was better than this man everywhere. I said that. Joe Barrett,
2: ah. USA, baby!
4: Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Please tell me that's on video.
2: I've never been happier. I'm made for a fucking podcast. <laughs> <That's> dangerous. <laughs> Listen to me, we're at it. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Hey, guys. Phoenix, Cotter Valley, how are you? First of all, how are you? I'm good. I'm so happy to be with you, Matt. My co-host. We're going to catch up today. And uh, Coach Plinio Cruz, how are you, my friend? i'm good how you guys doing man and, and i know i seem so unprofessional Let me, let's tell everybody behind the scenes i literally just jumped on board everybody was here but me i feel like i'm late i am late by two minutes right you're not in america i'm sorry coach coach but you can appreciate this i was coming from my school i was i was teaching good people uh, to become dangerous isn't that worth it Lauren May, you on Brazilian time. You're good. I am on Brazilian time. <laughs> yes! Now, now, before we get into, you know, any of your pupils, champions, non-champions, I want to know about you. Now, Coach Cruz, you were a fighter yourself before you became a coach? Yes, I was. Yes, I was. Tell me about that. And, and I, I'm assuming Brazil. You grew yeah, up. here
5: too. So I, I grew up, I was born and raised in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Okay. I'm a third degree black belt in BJJ under George Macaco Patino. Yes, wow. and I'm a second degree black belt in judo under Polish coach Mariusz Link, the guy who started jiu-jitsu in Poland too. And I've been doing striking for like 25 years because we were a box affiliation in Brazil too. So that's why I'm at ba- the, the beginning of my striking.
2: Now, people might just know, your are ju- you're a jujitsu instructor. Um, uh, uh, they call him. I know him as Macaco because I'm an old school guy. Macaco, yeah. what does that mean? What does Macaco mean?
5: Monkey in Portuguese.
2: He's monkey, but uh, yeah. that was his fighting nickname, correct? Yes. Cool. And it, it's uh, it, it's it's what is it? It's, it's uh, Jorge Patatino. What is it? His last name.
5: Patino. Yes, sure. Jorge Patino.
2: Uh, now listen, I you might be uh, you're you little you're younger than me, my friend. I'm sure, yes. but. You're like, yes, no shit, coach. No, but it was, <laughs> but uh when I was coming up, there was a famous rivalry between Makako and High and Gracie. And they would street fight. They'd fight anytime they seen each other. Did you know about that? Oh, I grew up under the atmosphere, actually, through the whole
5: thing. You know what I mean? Me growing up on the team, because I used to train there since I was very little, so... They put in our minds you can lose to anybody, cannot lose to a Gracie. Like, was like real, like, was fun because the rivalry actually brought the sport level of a sport up in Sao Paulo. But yeah, I did, I did grow up in today. And funny thing, throughout my late years of my career, I actually was coached by Daniel Gracie. So, oh! across the river, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, Daniel's a very good friend of mine. Oh, what a small world. Oh, that's great. So, when you grew up in, in Brazil, is it one of those? Not typical stories, but it is pretty typical in martial arts. You get involved with it because you got messed with it, messed with, and bullied, or is it be- because of other um, reasons you got into martial arts? Actually, you know what I mean. I grew up on a very like
5: manly environment. Me and my cousin they used to do capoeira, watch Van Dam movies, no that manly stuff. Van Dam, Schwarzenegger. So I moved to this neighborhood in São Paulo when I was. I, I started judo when I was three because everybody do judo when they're little in Brazil. Then I did for a few years. I stopped. Then throughout my teens, I moved to this neighborhood that had a gym two blocks from my house. I went to check it out and I stayed there. It was an affiliation from Macaco and then I've been never stopped after that. He's like us, Matt. He's
6: really into like all the martial arts movies and films. You know what I mean? Like you go train with, with, with Coach Cruz and there's like some type of 80s movie music in the background every once in a while, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's it's a he's he's nerdy like us.
2: Oh, I love that. Who was your favorite out of those 80s type movies? Van Dam, Seagal, and who- I'll say
5: Van Dam at first because you know, kickboxer and blood sport are legendary movies, and then after that, Bruce Lee and everybody else, right? But Van <laughs> Dam for sure.
2: Now Do they say say never meet your heroes? Did you ever meet? Not yet. Maybe one day. Not yet. Maybe one day. Maybe one day? Oh, man. Listen, I I know a guy that was um, in an 80s movie. And I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to embarrass him. But, boy, he holds on to that 80s movie. And I seen him at a Comic-Con recently, and he's over there. And I don't know, man. He don't resemble that dude no more. And it's like, I don't know. Van Damme's a little different because he had a really big career, but it's weird with those one hit wonder guys when they have that thing. And you see him at those comic cons. I love those comic cons. That's a whole other level of being a geek though. Uh, coach. Right. 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 <laughs> so go ahead, Phoenix guys, just sprinkle in some questions to coach. Well, I,
6: I mean, coach, your last fight was in 2017. When did you know, like, okay, I'm going to stop fighting now and I'm going to transition into being in people's corners.
5: Actually, my last fight in America was 2017, 2019. I did my last fight before pandemic. But when I fought there, I was already coaching, and like helping with Alex Kent Von Glory because even though BJJ was where I basically started, but since I was trained on a on a gym for strikers, we were all like basically a shooter box academy striking school in Sao Paulo. So then from there, I also trained boxing too because – when I reached the purple belt level of jiu-jitsu, so I already knew that I wanted to fight MMA because we had so many killers at the gym. So I started preparing my striking. But I met Alex around 29, 2016, and then 2018, I was in his first corner at glory, and then I cornered him throughout his glory career. So it was kind of like doing both at the same time. Then after the pandemic came, and this guy started blowing up out of proportion, famous. So I had to focus more on the coaching aspect.
6: Was it hard for you to let it go, to like let the fighting part of it go?
5: Yes, but you know, I don't say that I'm fully retired, I said I'm taking some time. I'm maybe doing some boxing next year or something like that. I'm 37, gotta stay. Maybe heavyweight gotta steal a little more juice, you know what I mean, to squeeze. I'm just, we're now taking a break. It's like the older brother gotta take care of the younger brothers, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah that's sure. the feeling. Like. Okay. So it's
6: a really deep camp. You know, it's got you, mm-hmm. it's got Glover, Tashera. So like, there's a lot of people working with Alex. How, how, who maneuvers what? How do you kind of mix and match who does what and who tells them what?
5: Well, Glover is the big papa there. You know what I mean? Can't have nobody more experienced than him. Throughout Glorious was me, Alex, you know what I mean? More doing the whole thing. But it's basically Glover and then I'm there. We basically have a team that we not even like to label who does who. We don't have egos. We just say that we have big brotherhood that one focus on the other whenever each other have a fight coming up. But Glover's a big papa there.
2: Ah, oh, listen, water seeks its own level. Any friend of Glover, you know, he's got to be a good person. Glover is one of the most warmest dudes. Even when he had the title, like. He'd be, like, at a, like a cage fury or somewhere in the locker room with his cap on. It's like, yo, this is the heavyweight champ, just chilling. Like, he's such a nice – and he's always giving hugs. I, he's such a lovable guy, you know? What a great yes. guy to have as, like, a leader, you know?
5: Glover's the ultimate guy next door.
2: That's so great. He's such a great guy. So you live in Connecticut now? I actually know. I, I I based in
5: Newark because my gym is in Harrison next to Newark oh. in Jersey. Then during the pandemic, I bought a cabin in the Poconos. I stay kind of back and forth. And then certain days of the week, a couple, two, three days, I go to Glover gym. And some days, they come to my gym. Or, for example, we train in the nature sometimes. Like Wednesday, they came to my cabin in the Poconos. We train by a waterfall. So we kind of like on that loop around the
2: Tri-States. Man, see, that Poconos, don't sleep on the Poconos. The Poconos is nice. When I like to disappear, disappear with the wifey to get away from the kids, we'll go up to that Poconos. It's beautiful, man. Oh, it's beautiful, right?
6: Oh, here's a, here's a fact Absolutely. that you might not know, but uh, Plinio Cruz is
2: actually also my coach. I, no, I did not know that. <laughs> I like to find things out on the, on the spot, you know? Shoot. Phoenix, I didn't know that. Is that, yes. a, is that recent?
6: It's recent. Once I moved to Jersey, I, I found him and we totally hit it off because he's a martial arts nerd. And what I love about Plinio is that he likes all martial arts. So he'll steal a little bit from this style or that style. And I like, put it all together. You know what I mean? And and knowing that I'm both uh, orthodox and Southpaw as a switch is really fun working with him. So you know, it's helped me step up my game quite a bit. And I, I just learned so much. And then him and I will sit on the mat and have super nerdy conversations about UFC events. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm just happy he's here to talk to you, too.
2: Oh, man, Coach Cruz, that's so great. I told you, water seeks its own level, Phoenix. I'm happy you guys found each other so you could, uh, you know, just further your knowledge. You are a martial arts nerd. You're also a regular nerd. What do you like, Coach Cruz, besides, like me and Phoenix, we're into like comic book movies and some geeky stuff like that. What do you like? I, I could tell nature already. What are some of your hobbies you like besides martial arts?
5: I or like some good some, some Comic Con style stuff too. Everybody's a little gotta be a little bit of a geek in this world, right?
2: Yes, I yeah, think I, so.
5: I like regular stuff, man. You know, I like I read some books here and there. I like the nature. I like you know what I mean, America, right? Some guns here and there, <laughs> like but, but grill can be Brazilian. I like to grill with the friends, and some barbecue. So basically, stuff,
2: man. I'm a simple guy. Ah, oh, dude, me too. That's the best way. Keep it simple. You enjoy your training. Stuff you'd probably do, like if you weren't doing anything, you'd be doing this anyway, right? You got a million, if you had millions of dollars, coach, you're probably going to be doing similar stuff, (laughs) don't you think? Right?
5: Bro, life stays the same no matter what.
2: It's so great.
5: You already
3: Uh, know.
2: Now, it doesn't mean it's not exciting. I mean, now coming up, Madison Square Garden, you know, you got Alex Vera, you know, it's quite a challenge. It's interesting. This Yuri Prohaska, he's very, I mean, they're going to say he's unorthodox. I don't know. Is he? Or is it just that the ponytail kind of hypnotizes you? What is that? You know, you know, yeah. I don't know. Tell <laughs> he, me. Tell and me. and I respect
5: the guy, guy because, you know, he is actually, like we're speaking right now, he's also a real martial artist. He's into all that samurai, Japanese stuff. I am too, you know, because people don't know Sao Paulo different than real. The level of training is a little bit different because there's a lot of Japanese there. The biggest Japanese migration in the world. So that's why Judo is so strong in Sao Paulo. And I the training is a little more military-ish. Yeah.
2: That's wild. Oh, that's interesting. Very interesting. I know you yes. always look you know, in, in Rio with, with the Gracies and jiu-jitsu. You don't really hear about the, the judo background coming with, with, with Sao Apollo. Okay, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. But,
5: yeah, so he's a real martial artist. I respect that. You know, he lived the samurai code. He's very unorthodox, like we can all see. You know what I mean? It's hard to predict a guy like that because he don't fights on a pattern. Right. Like you see this guy have a boxing stance, guys. Have a, people say that he have a karate stance, but he kind of have his own thing going on. And same with Pereira, too, because Alex, a guy I, when I was with him through his glory career, what made the difference was he basically got a little bit of his boxing style and then combined with some Dutch kickboxing, kind of created his own thing. Yeah. Like Machida back in the days, take takes some time to people start figuring out.
6: Yeah, and I was thinking about that too because stylistically, right, these are two what everybody would say high-level strikers. That's what you're going to hear typically. But do you think they just keep it on the feet or do you think like the opportunity to mix it up so they can both showcase those grappling skills? I mean, we still haven't gotten to see what Alex can do on the ground and I know you're always telling me that he's much better on the ground than people
5: realize. Well, like this last fight, he was able to show a little more, right, when Blachowicz took him down and mm-hmm. the way that he got off the back and everything. Look, Throughout the camps that I've been with Alex, not being with Alex for maybe 20 fights or more since Glory Kickboxing days, I think this one being one of the best camps I've ever seen him perform. So I'm excited about that. And he's ready for the fight, you know what I mean? Whatever the fight goes. If he's stand-up, if he's ground, if it's whatever, he's ready for that, you know? So I think stylistically, I believe that's going to be a fun, I'm like a Chinese movie style fighting of stand-up fighting, but it's going to be a nice thing. But he at least on his end, he's ready for anything, hundred percent.
2: Now this goes now. I said the producer sent a, a pick over of uh, uh, Alex Pereira in a uh, jacket and saying how how tough he is. There he is. He's still getting used to the cold in Connecticut. There it is. <laughs> There's a picture of him with a scarf on, and uh, you know, a lot of times when Brazilians come over, whether it be Sao Paulo or or Rio. They like the they. They're if not in L.A. Or, or or the West Coast, they're in Florida. You know what I mean? What very? I'm not a lot go to some place like New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. How is that? What made? Is it just because Glover was here, or is it like you know what? I no, like the- for all of us. On my
5: side, I move up here because Makako moved first, and then I moved with him in two thousand and eight. He opened his gym. Well, you know, we're from Sao Paulo. There's no beach in Sao Paulo, one hour away. So, like, city, city. It's like Sao Paulo and New York is the same. Ooh. Glover came from a place There's also no beach. He's from the country. Sobralia in Brazil. So that's why he kind of picked Connecticut, because more a low-key lifestyle. We're still having stuff. And then, because I mean, I and Glover, Alex, you know what I mean? New was before, like, cornering and everything. He decided to move up here.
6: It looks like a Banana Republic ad. <laughs> It's like, like stylish with the, with the uh, scarf yeah. on and shit. He looks good. He
5: looks good because that's a towel. Like, I you got coach. It,
6: his sister is also a fighter Has fought in MMA, recently fought in the LFA. When do you anticipate her getting into the
5: UFC? Well, we, we are working her a little bit. You know what I mean? Maybe a few more fights. She's into that groove. On that transition from, because people don't know, but she was once ranked number one in the world in kickboxing. She got to fight for the glory title. She fought Tiffany Van Suess, which was basically 10 years undefeated. And she had only eight fights, eight pro fights. She already fought for the belt. So she's getting more mature on her own career. But I assume by next year, hopefully, she will be in after a few wins. I wonder
6: if it's like, well, no, I think there was a few brothers and sister teams in the UFC. I just can't think of them right now. But I
5: know there's at least one. Yeah, yeah I, I I don't remember, but these two, yeah, since Glory, I used to call them Double Trouble.
2: <laughs> <laughs> double Trouble, that, that sounds like an 80s kung fu movie, <laughs> right, for those 80s actually. Yeah. Well, listen, hey, Coach Cruz, we could talk to you all day, we want to say good luck with that upcoming fight, it's so exciting, November 11th, um, you know, Madison Square Garden, does that alone, is that does that mean anything special to you, Madison Square Garden, with all that fight history there, I mean... One
5: hundred percent. You know, uh, not only through the history of the venue with other fighters, but the I history of the venue, with Alex, because yeah. he made his UFC debut two thousand years ago on November at Madison Square Garden. He became the middleweight champion last year at Madison Square Garden. Now he had the chance to become not only light heavyweight champion, but also people don't take this for granted. But is will be the only guy in history. That won two divisions in two major combat sports. So because I think Overeem back in the days won Dream and K1, but he never won the UFC belt. Alex would be the—he's already he's the first guy who crossed championship through both sports. But now he would be cementing that, but because in kickbox he was middleweight light heavyweight champ, now middleweight light heavyweight champion MMA too, in the UFC. So that's have definitely a special taste for us. Matthew Square Garden have that little mystic behind.
6: Yeah, it's crazy because it—it feels like. Alex just came onto the scene so quickly. Like, it's probably one of the fastest rises I've seen in, in, in MMA.
5: But see, the thing is, we, we people say that there's a very Chinese saying that bamboo bamboo trees, they stay eight, eight years on the ground, and then in one year, they sparkle up 20 feet. He already came to the UFC as a mature fighter. He was actually a double champion in kickboxing. He was the best in the world. So he did... His journey outside, but when he jumped in, he was already it's not that he was fast tracked, the man was ready. seen three fights he became the
2: UFC champ. Well, right. listen, he came and he came correct, and you're a big part of that, coach. So congratulations. Before we let you go, tell us, give us a plug to your school. Because shoot, man, if I'm in the neighborhood, I'd like to drop in.
4: 100
2: percent man. My school is called Cruise MMA, is in
5: Harrison, which next to Newark by the Path Train is in Jersey. You know, Jersey, we don't pump the gas, we pump the fists. So we got good energy there. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you want, guys want to drop in, you got Coach Cruz over there and a the beautiful staff. You got Perreo in and out too, almost every week there. So place to go, Cruz MMA. If you guys want to follow up, Cruz MMA official on Instagram.
2: So great. So great. All right. Hey, listen, thanks. And uh, we want you back on again and hang out with us again. This was fun.
5: Just let me know, brother.
2: You got it, Coach. So nice to be talking Thank talk you, guys. Uh, over to yes, sir. Bye, yeah. Coach.
5: See you bye this week. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.
2: Take bye.
4: care. This episode of UFC Unfiltered is sponsored by VChain, official blockchain partner of UFC. As 2023 approaches its end, this is your chance to experience the ultimate fighting championship like never before with the VChain community. Don't miss your opportunity to immerse yourself in the full UFC experience during the last pay-per-view of the year, UFC 296, in Las Vegas this December. Enter for a chance to win by visiting www.vchaingiveaway.com. Now, V-Chain is just letter V, letter E, chain, vchaingiveaway.com between October 18th and november the 24th digital technologies are the future and vchain is building their foundations with advanced blockchain technology vchain helps people companies societies unite their efforts by contributing to tackling sustainability challenges together by connecting blockchain technology with real world action vchain makes it possible to capture the value generated by data allowing people and businesses to be rewarded for positive environmental actions, which creates a powerful incentive mechanism for change. To learn more about VeChain, visit www.vechain.org. That's V-E-C-H-A-I-N.org, where you follow them on X. That's the social media platform formerly known as Twitter. We call it X on this show, VChain Official.
2: Hey, Phoenix, I'm loving that you're you're back to being on the mat. You know what I mean. I remember you were find you were trying to find a home the last we yeah. spoke. And, yeah, uh, you did.
5: So that-
2: I
6: did. I did. I do mostly my stand up with Plinio, but um, you know, I've listen. If I don't train, I lose my mind. I'm like a pedigree dog. If I don't if I don't get out and run or get out and exercise, I start ripping the house apart. I could just get cranky. <laughs> so. Just to get in, in some training is like, it, it's the thing that levels me out.
2: Yeah, listen, I need my training. I Like like I said, I I literally walked in the door today, went right up to give my wife a kiss. My kids came, you know, because I, I saw my wife this morning, but my kids, I don't see them because I leave when they're sleeping because I do that 7 a.m. class a few days a week. So I teach that. So I leave early. I leave early because I like to get situated, you know. And uh, so... You know, I get, I leave and I do that. And on Mondays, a lot of times I, I stick around and I do that noon class also. It I feel almost like I'm going back in time 20 years when I owned my first school, when I would be living at the school where I'd wake up, teach, because in between the first and second class, a lot of times, Phoenix, I take a nice little nap. I got a little thing mm-hmm. that's up there. So it's like, I don't know, it kind of reminiscent of when I'm a kid, you know what I mean? Not a yeah. kid. A kid compared to now, so and it's, dude. You know why? Cause it's just so much fun. I just have a good time. And you like lived in your first gym too, didn't you? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, my first I remember you telling me up, that. Yeah, yeah. My, I opened it up. I was having a, I was between apartments, so I'm like, you know what? Let me while I'm looking, let me just have a place for a couple of months. That couple of months ended up being a couple of years. But hey, man, it's all part of the journey. Soon we're gonna be having Joe Pfeiffer on.
6: Now, Joe oh crazy athlete. interesting life and an athlete and just just like killer instincts. One of the nastiest hooks, left hooks you'll see in the business. Um he is a real talent. I mean, now does
2: he have a family now? Is he married?
6: I don't know. I don't know his situation. I know that like he comes from an extremely crazy broken home. He had a yeah. documentary that's recently coming out. Uh, he's he's a fascinating character. He's very open about his childhood struggles, doesn't necessarily want to be a role model, per se. Like he talks about that quite a bit. But I mean, you are when you came from absolutely nothing. And then you wound up being a guy that Dana White says, if you want to get in the UFC, act like Joe Pfeiffer, like that's like a quote that he has now because he said that on the contender series. So he's definitely like one of those people that. You know, you look at that literally had nothing was homeless, like Sarah and Francis and Gano yeah. um, you know, had absolutely nothing. And like is just fighting is rising him to the absolute top.
2: Oh, he had, Oh, he was down and out. You're saying
6: home. He was like homeless. He, uh, you know, he had like super childhood troubles. A coach took him in. There's a documentary coming out all about this. Like he
2: was like a on physical, him. He's beautiful. got his own documentary coming out.
6: Yeah. Yeah. He's physically abused by his parents. Like it, it's, it's a, like really crazy story.
2: Uh, well, listen, Joe Pfeiffer is three, and oh in the UFC. And so far all three is by uh finishes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two knockouts and a submission. So shit, he's well-rounded. He's in the waiting room. Let's bring in Joe Pfeiffer. Let's get to know Joe Pfeiffer. And then me and you are going to catch up after about okay. what the heck you're into lately, what you're watching. Did you ever watch Dune? Yes, I did. Did you like it?
6: I thought it was really loud. I know that sounds like I'm 86 Piper. years old, but it was very loud. What, <laughs> there's I a, said,
2: oh, there's a great fight
6: scene in it. There's a great collie scene in it I liked.
2: Hold on. Did I just pronounce his name wrong? Tell me before you get it on. I don't want to embarrass myself. Leave, you know, Piper. He, like, huh? pop,
6: like pie in the sky. Piper.
2: I thought I said Piper. And he, do you hear us, Piper? I can hear you. <laughs> I didn't hear Lee you said. You. I didn't hear What's what that? you said though. Yeah, dude, because he 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 puts it in like uh like big big uh print pie fur. I go fuck man, that's my accent. I thought I said that. Joe, nice to meet you, bro. Nice to meet you, Matt. Now, now and uh, this is Phoenix Carnavalle, my co-host.
6: What's
3: uh, up, Matt,
2: Joe? In case you thought Jimmy did, LeBru- did, you, did you interview me one time for CES?
6: Probably, yes, I did.
3: Ah, uh, yeah, it would have been my second profile. I feel like I remembered your face. Yeah. Or
6: yeah, you're a badass. Yeah, That's a nasty, beautiful left hook, by the way. Thank you, thank
2: you, dude. Hey, Joe, things are going great for you, man. As far, I mean, th- th- listen, three and zero in the UFC is not easy. I mean, you didn't seem like you had that UFC jitters. I mean, all finishes, two by KOTKO, and the other, and and the other one by the last one by submission, which was, which was just beautifully brutal. I mean. I want to I want to hear about your journey, dude. I've heard about you coming from a a very very, um, you know, violent household. I mean, you could tell me better than you know. Can you let me know a little bit about you, your background?
3: Yeah, man. I mean, I so first and foremost, I started mixed martial arts. Primarily, jujitsu was my foundation at four and a half years old. Oh. Uh, okay. My dad was born in Kensington, Philadelphia, so he had always had like boxing ties to the city, always would go up there and train, wound up meeting a guy named Steve Haig who owned Fight Factory, which is where Eddie Alvarez started out of. Mm. Uh, but before that, he got that gym, we were all out of a school called uh, Body Arts, and that's where Steve Haig was, my dad, Eddie Alvarez was 19 years old, I was like five years old. Um, so that's where I started uh, in my MMA experience, jiu-jitsu introduction. And uh, when Eddie was like, ah, oh, I'm just going to try this shit. I'm a street fighter. Let me see if I like it. And then, you know, his first time he got a knockout. So as my dad started to learn, I started to learn. Um, obviously, with, without an option to to choose, I was forced into it. And, you know, I'm not regretful of it whatsoever. But uh, it was a very abusive way to learn um, with the way my dad was. And, uh, you know, um, all those kids receiving brutal punishment from him physically, uh, verbally, verbally. You know, my mom was quite involved as well, but more or less on the verbal end. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I had a rough background, whatnot. I had to leave and run away from home. So I didn't kill him. He didn't kill me type of deal. And uh, or I didn't, you know, hurt myself. So, um, yeah, that's when i was 16 years old. And I never abandoned jujitsu or or MMA throughout this process and
2: throughout all these years, though. Well, that's great because you could have just put that. In a connection with the abuse, with you know, oh, this is e- like you could have just been like that, could have just reminded you of your father, like you know what I mean. Because he exactly. got into, you got what is it about the training that you enjoyed? Because it sounds like it was a rough learning ex- environment, like yeah, did, I mean, I mean
3: a couple of examples are of just you know, I, I used to think I had a learning disability because when you're told that. You know, quite frankly, like you're fucking retarded. You're this and blah, blah, blah. I mean, every single day. Uh, and I couldn't get a move or I didn't get it fast enough. You need know, you get slapped, or if you go out and compete like I used to do, uh, if I won, I beat a tomato can where the where the word's chosen. Uh, and then if I lost, I was I was representing his name terribly and I was a disgrace. And I'll never be shit, but uh janitor, sleeping floors and cleaning toilet bowls. So uh, or you know, you get your ass whooped because you didn't listen and how dare you disrespect me and embarrass me and all, you know, it was always about his image. And, uh, you know, as I got older, it became the thing where as I started to train with other people or as I went, I was homeschooled until eighth grade, um, you know, as I started to see that this shit wasn't normal um, and this is not how you're supposed to treat kids, you know, especially ones that you say you love and whatnot, you know, I understood the premise of what he was trying to do, harden me and, and build me to be, you know, a fighter. But at the same time, he also tried to take that away from me and say that I was never going to fight under his household. He'll never want me to fight. He wanted me to go to school. And it's like, with what foundation, brother? Like we were homeschooled. You didn't teach us an ounce of homeschool. Like, so uh, it just, I was kind of one of those kids that was left emotionally to figure out emotions and uh you know, got beat in the process and getting kicked stopped uh, and, and, you know, beat up most of the, most of your life makes it very difficult to learn things in a receptive way. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, I don't remember what the question was, but I started no. out very dysfunctional.
2: No, I, got I you. What I'm sorry, Phoenix. Was there any influences that stepped in that were positive for you? Because it seems you got your shit together, Joe. So I mean, what helped you get there? Yeah, I mean the
3: positive role model was just being in the gym and looking forward to seeing adults. You know, I I didn't click with kids. So when I was in eighth grade and I finally went to high school uh, and, and got out of middle school and went over to high school, like I was the oddball out. Like I I didn't socialize no. I was a fucking weird kid. You know, and that that's just best, basically the the way that I can say it is weird and um and weird in a way that I didn't understand. I was so intense as a child, like talking about fighting people and this. I'm gonna be a fighter, I'm gonna be in the UFC and dah da, da da Like kids didn't understand that. Um, and they didn't, you know, I feel like I was ahead of it because of what I was going through. I was ahead of, you know, goal achievements-wise, you know, like I, I knew my direction. I wanted to fight. I'd already made it up in my mind. It was a dream, it was a, a love. And I guess I basically built my uh I built my emotional uh stability and confidence through being accepted at a gym because even though my dad was abusive when I would go to the gym they were all receptive of me I was the youngest kid in there scrapping with grown men at 13 years old heel hooking dudes like legitimately heel hooking purple belts and brown belts that were you know like 160 170 couldn't deal with do it to the other guys but as a 13 year old like I I was a strong dude so uh yeah I mean going to the gym was my positive role model and, and obviously people like Sam Morpiza who I just had in my corner recently um you know he gave me a big portion of his time. Uh, when he was coming up, he was thirteen and three, I believe. Professionally fought in Bellator. You know, didn't continue his career. But Eddie Alvarez was always a great role model. Uh, very, very active in my life. So,
2: yeah, can yeah. I ask you about Eddie Alvarez? And this yeah. is gonna be this is gonna be crazy, Joe. You were there for Eddie's first fight. I was not there, but okay. I, I like I was around.
3: Uh, okay, my dad okay. Was there
2: I was. Okay, uh, no, I was so too young. I was thinking, it was in Jersey, and I think it was at some kind of sportsplex that they had fights. And then you go through another area and it's like a it was a ring it was a ring cage. Yeah, a ring cage, and it was in like a place where it's not a chuck e cheese, but there's, like rides and shit. Do you know it kind of, yeah, it was kind of like a gymnasium almost? Yes. Uh, hey, how, about, how about how about this guy's funny story, Joe? Small world. We had this guy on our team. We called him Guido. I'm not gonna tell you his real name. We called him Guido. Typical, typical. Long Island guy. Not this yeah. kind of Long Island guy. Not a guy you'd like to have a beer with. More of that tough guy, you know? A yeah. guy, I always said, I if I, he I, I don't train with me now, but I'm like, yo, if I met this guy under any other circumstances, I'd want to smack him, okay? So he's that typical Long Island tough guy. He wanted to fight. How about this? Alright, we'll get a guy with no fights also. Dude, it was fucking Eddie Alvarez. <laughs> uh... <laughs> so we get this Long Island God, I don't want to be tough guy. He fights Eddie Alvarez, dude, and he and listen to Guido's point. He wasn't a pussy, but it's Eddie Alvarez at the time we didn't yeah. know it. He gave Eddie like I think one punch, then it was a fat. Oh, then he awoke in a beast that he's <laughs> <laughs> that still that's still murdering people. So yeah, that's so funny. So I'm like, holy crap! There's a chance you could have been there, but that I mean, this was literally. Twenty plus years ago, <laughs> twenty years ago, yeah, 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 literally, crazy.
6: Um, talk about like emotional intelligence and positivity. I interviewed Eddie like a couple of years ago, and he told me like he journals, like he writes letters to himself, like positive letters to himself to like make himself like feel better. I was like, that's fascinating. It's so yeah, interesting. He was, like
3: he was one, he was one of the, the the people in my life that told me to have a goal board, a vision board. You know, write write down that number you want on a check. Write down the goals. It doesn't have to be a huge goal or years in the making type goal, but write the goals down and have a new vision board. And once that board's done, erase that and then start another one to your point, though.
6: Yeah. And I and it's funny because, I, you know, I always say this, I like, kind of feel bad for guys because it's we've been in this society where you have to be like super tough. And then if you are soft, then you're like super soft. But guys like you and Eddie have found that middle ground. We have this level of emotional intelligence where you're like very self-aware and um, I think I was so impressed with you, Joe, because you had this quote that says anger doesn't work as motivation. Can you explain what that means and how that helps you as a fighter?
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, that was one of my most important lessons because it was when I lost my first legitimate professional fight uh, and I lost to Jonathan Potty, a guy who I still talk to today. And, and, you know, not to disrespect his record, but he's he hasn't had uh, the best trajectory for his career. And I was dominating the fight and everything, but it was one of those things where I knew I wasn't mentally, I, I was, I've i always struggled with, like, suicide and, like, health, you know, like, uh, just just health, um, mental health things. And, um, you know, I was particularly struggling in this fight, and no excuse, you know, he beat me, but I used to fight out of anger because I always wanted to prove my dad wrong, like, telling me I'd be at a janitor, sweeping floors or, you know, a lot of other negative things that I don't need to say, but you know uh, it it was something that I was like, I'm going to show him, I'm going to show him, I'm going to show him. So I used to go out there and you watch my early fights. I used to just bring it to dudes. And I mean like anger punch, just like Elmas Eddie style. Like I used to just run out there, boom, 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 boom. And I'd get the wins, but at a certain level that starts to die down, you can't, you can't approach skilled men with that type of aggression. Um, You know, you'll get caught yourself. So uh, that fight, I went out there and, and, for the first time I wasn't angry and I had no idea what I was fighting for. When that emotion wasn't there, I was like, Oh shit, I'm lost. And it's not that deep. Like anger isn't that deep. So that's why you can't, that's why I said that, because I don't think anger is everlasting. It's only a phase. It's only in the moment. It's only when you think about it. It's not, it's not the real reason. And if you are angry, it's because you're hurt. It's not because you're angry. You're, you're, you're actually hurt and you don't know how to deal with it. So that's what, that's what you act on. So, um, yeah, I mean, I changed my perspective. I forgave my parents. I forgave my dad, especially because you know he was the most damaging. And I figured out why I was fighting, and who I am as a person, and how strong I am, and how weak I am at the same time. And letting go of anger, letting go of anger, can really humble you and show you how frail you actually are.
2: Joe, that, that's that's really, I'm telling you, very insightful. Now, Joe, you're twenty, you're twenty seven years old. It's a yeah, you're, you're you're single, married. I've uh, been dating a girl for four years. Now, this is what I'm gonna. This is what I'm gonna say, just based on just our conversation right here. I could tell. I, not only do you got your shit together, just you're very insightful from all the shit you've been through. A lot of people that been through something that you've been through, they'll take one of two paths. They either repeat the cycle of abuse, or they break off and they go, look, I. I could tell Joe, if you have a family one day, you're not going to, you're definitely not going to be like that. I could tell you're going to be the exact opposite, even more so. So there's people, what is it? What is it that makes you, what made you, you know, listen, you chose, you did the right thing and you had everything up against you where it's easier to do the wrong thing. And you could blame the way you were treated to treat people that way. But you're not, you, 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 you're, you seem like a really good guy. So what is it? What is it that made you choose the right path? I don't know what defines a good human being, but what defines a
3: good human being to me, first and foremost, is that question is I would like to say I'm a good guy and I think I'm a good guy because I don't vandalize people's shit. I don't steal. I don't go out of my way to hurt somebody else and make them feel like they're not good or not a good human being. Like, I don't go out of my way to destroy someone else's life. Um, and, and I think that's, that's what a good person is. I give back. I help my teammates. I help my friends. Uh, I'm a very loving and I'm a very sensitive person. Um, but I also can differentiate who I should give emotion to. Like if somebody that I'm fighting says some shit about me, I I really don't care. Um, I will get angry and I'll, I'll, I'll talk shit. Like I don't like the person I'm fighting anyway, so I'll engage in that. But you know, the, the true effect behind their words mean nothing to me. So, um, uh, sorry, I I have a, My my stopped working in my house, so I actually have somebody checking the thermostat. <laughs> yeah, but let him
6: in. Let him, him in. We'll thing,
3: one sec. Okay, you can do whatever you want to interview. I'm sorry. So you can do whatever. The, the you're now on is.
6: UFC Unfiltered. There, heater guy.
3: Yeah, the thermostat doesn't turn on or work at all. I got you. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, so no yeah, you know, I can differentiate. You know what actually matters, but um, yeah, I mean. I think I I realized throughout my childhood, my dad always had an excuse of blaming his father because all past generations have kind of amounted to nothing as far as college, education, uh, career. I mean, I know my grandfather did well, um, you know, and he always worked hard, but my dad was kind of the opposite. He always was putting the blame on somebody as to why he went through this or why this happened or his back surgery or this and that. And it was he had an excuse for why he was always failing. And I'm not gonna allow myself that, you know. I, I sometimes the harsh reality is just sometimes you fucking lose, and uh, you know you can do everything right, but that sometimes it's whatever. And I'm also a religious person, you know. I'm a Christian, and um, whatever God has in store for me is is what I have to face. And if that's a loss, as much as I don't want to accept it, um, you know, I know I'm strong enough to face it and come back. So I just think I just think it's I learned this from not wanting to be like my dad and despising who he is as a person for the amount of excuses he's provided to be a shit human
2: being.
6: It's interesting. Like, um, I heard that you had a documentary coming out Yeah, and I've been searching for it. Where, where can I find it? When is it coming out? Like, what are the details about this?
3: Yeah. So I, I, I'm, my management group is Vayner Sports, Uh and I have an investment group that I signed with, uh, which is called disruptive um disruptive sports group and it's it's headed by alex davis who is a very successful businessman um but very 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 successful and uh you now he's got the connections to take this documentary to the next level And currently we have a pending deal um going on that i'm super excited about and that's why it hasn't been released yet because hollywood strike and you know, right. time about things and uh legal uh you know legal i guess Agreements and just trying to make sure that everything is in my favor and, and makes sense. And smart. you know, so uh, That's currently we, ha- we have something on the table, we have a few options on the table. I think we're kind of narrowing it down, and uh, I'm super excited for it to be released. Um, nothing is signed pen to paper yet, but you know, I'm very hopeful that in the next couple of weeks that will be no longer the case. Okay,
6: but definitely let us know. You yeah, let and us know. You-
2: I would love stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You'll probably put that all over your, your social media and stuff. when yeah. it is. Awesome. Yeah. Gonna it, it's Awesome. It's going to be a huge deal.
3: Listen, it's not going to be a huge deal just because it's releasing, but it's gonna be a huge deal because of how many people I think it will meet through whatever out, uh, you know, network that we choose to go with. And uh, you know, obviously it'll be life-changing um, financially for me as well, where I can really, you know, you only get to sell your story once type of deal. And I want my story not to be a sympathy card, but a uh, relatability, you know, I'm, this is very common what I've gone through. It's very, uh, unfortunately it's very common and it's very, it's very beatable. And that's, that's what I want. That's why I scream the things that I scream. Sometimes it's corny and, you know, emotions take over. And uh, sometimes I don't know why I say what I say, but you know, the message behind it is just to be an inspiration to break the cycle.
6: Well, this will make Matt happy because you do come to the Rocky music. Thank you.
3: (laughs) What
6: is that? What is that, Phoenix? He walks out. I don't know if you've done it recently, but don't you walk out to the Rocky music, being it that you're from Philly and everything?
3: Yeah, so uh, honestly, Rocky IV was one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, I love the the uphill climb story of Rocky going against and avenging pretty much his friend's death um, and against another country. And uh, I I thought that was pretty cool. And I always liked when he was reflecting on life it was when he, I'm a big car guy. So, you know, he's yeah. driving an old school uh, Lamborghini. And, yeah, the, uh, the montage. Yeah, he's driving through the tunnel. He's just, you know, going through how Apollo Creek died and whatnot. And that song, Good. The Easy Way Out uh, was yeah. the song that I walked out to for Miami. And I change it every time. But uh, this time I came out to Donald Trump by Mac Miller, just, you know, RIP Mac. And, uh, you know, the election, let's go.
6: <laughs> no. Okay. So I have to ask you this question since you're a car enthusiast, right? What is your fantasy, like, 100% dream car that, you know, once you win a title, like, is the car you're going to get? What's the fantasy? Yeah,
3: uh, that's the brand-new Dodge Viper ACR with the big wing, uh, yellow and black stripe. One of my <laughs> dream cars. One of my favorites. Can't wait to have it. Can't wait to get it. I'm also promised it. Alex Davis, I'm going to say it because he said, when I win a belt, he'll buy me one. So, you know, I really want to win the belt just because, fuck the belt. I want the car. I'm a car guy. <laughs> I <laughs> want a garage. <laughs> I want to buy a house, too, you know? So that's that's what I'm hoping to do soon. I want to buy a house, I want to have a garage and that's like my therapy, you know, put on some tunes, work with my hands and, you know, enjoy the shit that I love outside of fighting as well.
2: Ah, so great. Hey, listen, b- before we let you go, let- Joe, tell us, you're so exciting 3 and 0 in the UFC. All finishes. Give us a name. We want to see you fight again, man. Entertaining as heck. Tell yeah. me, who we looking I, for, I,
3: brother? I, 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 I want... So, he's already fighting, and I'm actually going to be cornering this man, Brendan Allen. Oh, um, yes. Against, against we Paul, Paul Craig. Craig. Uh, that's right. Yeah. I really do want to fight Paul Craig. There's something about him. I just don't fucking like his face. I don't know what it is. I, I'm one of them guys that's like... I'll, I am judgmental, and I just... I don't like the whole painting your face, going forehead to forehead with people. I don't like that shit. Like, don't touch me, or I'm going to headbutt the shit out of you. So, I just... I don't know. I don't, I don't like him. I think he's a shitty fighter uh, and he's got good jiu-jitsu. Don't get me wrong. So I shouldn't say shitty fighter. Like I, I, I do respect him as much as I don't like him. I respect him. He's tough. But I think he's, you know and I mean? This. I don't mean it respectfully. Yeah. Like it is what it is. Like Gerald Marichardt to me is a shit fighter. And I said that beforehand. I said it after, you know, he's well, you a good put him dude. out. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a good dude, but I always said like he's like the best worst middleweight and I think Paul Craig is kind of a step up from that cuz he's bigger, but he's also like the best worst middleweight. So, uh and he's got a ranking, you know what I mean? So right. I do think Brendan Allen's going to walk over him and I want to be there and I kind of want the beef, you know what I mean? I want I want the I want the problems with him and uh yeah, I mean I think it's a good fight for me. He's a big dude, he's got a big name and let me get some of that name. Let me get some of that hype, but uh and if not him, Andre Muniz, and if not him, we'll see how Rodolfo Vieira does. I'd love to fight him too. Oh, what about Bo Nickel? Ooh. I don't think they're going to give me him. Um, okay. But make no mistake, I am not some punk fucking middleweight that can't wrestle. So bring that shit, motherfucker. I'll sleep your ass. Like I, I'm not. I'm not one of these guys that you're going to intimidate. You know, do the stare down shit or oh, you're an NCAA. This is MMA, and I know MMA. I know it better than anybody else. So.
6: You were battling a ton of injuries and stuff like that too. So how have you been feeling and when do you predict like we'll be a get back in their date?
3: Yeah. So this is why I'm excited for the Paul Craig and the Rodolfo Vieira fight because I'm going to fight next year. I'm not fighting this year. I don't care what anybody says. Like I know my body. I know my health. Dana White and Hunter Campbell said that they were going to, you know, get stem cells for me. So I'm waiting on that currently. I do need it. I had a slap tear in my my labrum. I want to make sure that's healed up. I also think I fractured my hand during the – the last camp, I had staff, I had infections. So my body was through a lot. I was I had staff two weeks in two spots. I had it on my forearm and on my bicep two weeks wow. before I fought a goal. And I was on antibiotics and whatnot. So I was, you know, I was in bad shape leading into this fight, even mentally. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna take a I, I did my job, you know. I did my job. I'm 27. I won a bonus and I'm gonna relax a little bit. I, I wanna I wanna enjoy the holiday for once and uh I don't need to rush my career. I'm in a good spot. Um, I know that that's not what a lot of people like. They want you to be active, 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 but I'm a bigger body. I can't cut the weight that fast. And, uh, I think I'm more
2: injury prone when I turn
3: around too fast. Well, yeah, I'm gonna say, too.
2: Hey man, what hey, Dennis doing? Buzukia coming up too, baby. I love that kid. Oh, a bazooka. Yeah. Yeah, man. I was just with them last night over at yeah. uh, law MMA uh, you got Dennis Bazooka. We have Nazim fighting Naz and uh also Matt Steamroller. So MSG is gonna be fucking insane. Yeah, I was gonna uh, be there, but I'll be out in Arizona,
3: unfortunately. But I, I was happy, I wanted to see my I wanted to see Dennis fight, man. I've always been pulled for him since I won
2: my contract. Uh, that's, oh, that's all that's so great. I mean, he's such a good kid, he's a good yeah. kid, and he never cut any corners. He always he was in class, just did his time, and never tried to try to you know kind of, it. kind of yeah just just showed up he would drive to look from to staten island to long island and uh i'm so happy for his success and joe i'm very happy for your for, to your for, hold on i'm stuttering i'm very happy for your success and uh <laughs> you've been through a lot but you really seem like a great guy you're a fantastic fighter and please come back on again with us man this was great joe yeah allow me on whatever
3: man i'm uh, i'm uh i i don't like these guys that are all fucking i'm too busy like this is my life. I don't do anything else. I, if I'm not doing this, I'm fucking playing video games or lifting weights and working on cars.
2: Wait, 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 wait. One second, please. What video games? Call of Duty, Baby Warzone, dog. I love it. I love it. Listen, if you get a chance, you get another bonus, whatever it is, get the fucking VR, the Oculus Quest 2. I live in that goddamn thing. Population 1. And what I took out a game last night. Oh, sorry? What Are you playing on that? I play it's the Oculus Quest 2, even though I'm going to get the new one. Is it called that? Yes, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's, it's the portable one, uh, Oculus nice. Quest. And I bring it when I travel, dude. I'm a nerd. I talked about it when I was on Rogan. Yeah. Uh, I play Population One, it's a shooter. Uh, uh you get into squads, and it's so, oh, fucking so fun. I was playing last night with Kevin Casey, he's a jujitsu guy, you know, Kevin, but anyway, yeah. so much fun. But I, oh, over- yeah. listen. We're going to save all this geek shit for the next time. But, yeah, I love the video games. Joe uh, Piper, man. Congrats on everything, dude. Thank you, bro.
3: Thank you. I appreciate thanks, it. Man. Thanks,
2: Matt. All right. Well talk Great seeing you, Joe. Nice Take seeing care,
3: you,
0: Joe. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Peace. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters
2: Hey, man, what a, listen, I guess what? That guy's going to do all right for himself. Oh, hell
6: yeah. I have such emotional intelligence and just like the freedom to talk about it. That like just shows that shows a lot.
2: Oh, that me tough Paul tough Craig. Tough. Freedom!
6: <laughs> but that Brandon Allen versus Paul Craig fight is coming up. That is November 18th at the Apex. It's a middleweight fight. And it's cool because I love Brandon Allen. He was in the LFA. He was an LFA champion. Paul Craig, you know, moved to m- middleweight. In July, I think, and it paid off for him. Uh, Who did he beat? Oh, it was Munoz. He actually Etchko Munoz. So that's a fun fight. Um, I don't know. That's one that I'm looking forward to.
2: Well, listen, happens. I'll tell you what. A fun show. What have you been doing up to, Phoenix? Tell me. Tell me what you've been up to.
6: I was working on those voiceovers for the oh. pop culture inspiration for this product called Hatch, which is like oh. the device, like when you can't sleep at night. And you wake up in the morning, you want some inspiration, you click on my channel. And I'm like, what can you learn from Batman? And what can you learn from Ferris Bueller's Day Off? So I just finished 30 voiceovers about all things pop culture. And that was fun.
2: I've heard a few and I like them a lot. You send them to me and I enjoy them. Now, where could somebody listen? I want somebody to be able to get that and listen to your work. Where could they listen to that?
6: Well, they're on The Hatch. So if you buy The Hatch too, it's on that. But eventually maybe we'll throw them up on a podcast or something like that. So you just got to follow me on social media for all your pop culture, MMA and nerdy shit. That's what I'm here for.
2: What What is your social media?
6: It's just my first and last name. That's it.
2: Phoenix that Carnavale. Phoenix Carnavale. Yep. That's so great. All right, Phoenix. Phoenix, I'm waiting for you to still visit me. You know, and uh, I know I gotta make that happen. My wife's, my wife's got a, you know, she's training like a beast. My, my girls, my, 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 my three daughters, my fourteen-year-olds competing a lot. It's fun. My the other day, my my fourteen-year-old did three hours of wrestling. <laughs> so
6: I gotta ask you a question: How has your relationship changed, like since you know Anne started training, and like now you guys can vibe on um on jujitsu and and kickboxing
2: it, and all that stuff? It, It's funny you said that because when I started dating my wife, she was a hundred percent Adrian. Now she's more like Lagatha from Vikings. She's fucking. So, uh, you know, she, it's, 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 you know, you either grow together or you grow apart. And, um, the fact that my wife's interests are all combat sport related does not hurt our relationship at all. It actually helps it where now that she was, she, you know, I, I told the story before she never even did a sport in high school, but she started doing kickboxing to lose weight between our three daughters Next thing you know, she's taking a fight. Now she's 3-0 as an amateur kickboxer. And she, you know, she's 40 now and she's still actually competing, <laughs> you know? And she might even take a one MMA fight. Who knows? She's thinking about it. So, you know, now she's a blue belt in jiu-jitsu and she she really started to, to really go deep into jujitsu, starting with the women's class Now and then going into the co-ed class. And me and her now could roll, we roll for like sometimes 45 minutes to an hour at a clip. You know, you know what jiu-jitsu, if, if you if a person knows, uh, by the time they're blue belt, and they know they don't have to have all the answers, but they have an answer for. An, up uh, you you take their back; they know how to get out at least one or two ways. You mount them; they have a, several ways out. You get cross side; they get on top. So if they know these ex, these different way escapes, there's so only so many ways to hold somebody in. Uh, then you can you could flow roll with them. You can get them right. in bad positions; they escape; they attack you; you get out. So we train for. A lo- we trained for a long time so now she's jumping in jujitsu competitions and she's doing well so it's fun dude so i'll tell you phoenix to answer your question um it's it, it just it just strengthens the relationship you know you know yeah. what? because as she gets older now she's you know we're both a little bit older Like she could be she could have got into zumba i'm not shitting on it but then right. I'm at my academy and she's got to be over at the Zumba or I'm at the academy. She's into Pilates. No, she's at my school. If I'm here, she's in the, she's hitting the, you know, she's either doing the kickboxing or jujitsu. So it's a, it's a strong, it's a, it's a positive thing. You know? Yeah.
6: I just think it's cool that you, if you have to watch a fight for work, she'll sit there and be like, Oh, I really liked how he got out of that submission or, you know, oh, watch his transition. Like it just it that's gives you
2: something to vibe on. That's great. And that's, Oh, that's fantastic. But, Even more so, you know, what I do, like I said earlier, is all I do is go, I'm a, you know, I'm a hermit, man. I don't go (laughs) nowhere to Phoenix. I'm at the Comic-Con. That was fun. I can tell you that. That was a blast. But, uh, you know, I go to my house. I go to my school. My school's very, it's just people I like. If I don't like somebody, I get them right the fuck out of there. So I teach good people to be dangerous. And my fact that, you know, I make it such a good time there with good vibes and the fact that my family hangs out there all the time. It's just a positive thing. Where was I going with that?
6: That was it. That was it. That was it. You, just, was it. you get to All see right. your family more because you never leave the
2: house or that, go to the gym. That there. is it. That is it. What are you watching? <laughs> Anything new on Netflix or? Prom? I'm kind of
6: disappointed with Loki. I'm like, what the f is going on? I'm How so confused.
2: This? I didn't even get into it because a lot of my kids weren't into the last one. But only my I, I
6: loved was. the first season. I'm wearing a Loki shirt right now.
2: It is cool. No, I I liked it too. I got I got to get back into that. But um, I recommend for the holiday season, people watch Hoobie Halloween with Adam Sandler. If you like any of his work, especially his earlier work. I love him. You will love it. It's just goofy and fun. And uh, rest in peace, Ray Liotta. Uh, Also, um, what was I going to say? I went back into a sci-fi show called The Expanse. And uh, we had Wesley Chatham on. And Wesley Chatham, he's in The Expanse. He plays Amos, who's like my favorite character, who's a borderline psychopath who makes the right decisions. Uh, It's, um, yeah, what a, what a, what a, that shows, I'll tell you right now, there's some like politics in it and stuff with Mars and yada, yada, but uh, the action in it and the character work, the characters in it, it's fun.
6: Well, here's my bucket list for you and UFC Unfiltered. Okay. I've been on the show maybe 15 times now, and I just, I want one thing. Yes. Scott Atkins. Sorry, Scott Atkins, Scott Atkins. He's a well-known martial artist and stunt guy. He was in Doctor Strange. He was in The Last John Wick. He's just he's a god in martial arts and film and TV. And we would totally nerd out with him, Matt. So we need to get Scott Atkins on the show. He also has a podcast called The Art of Action, where he interviews all the old school martial arts guys. And um right.
2: give, your give your friend the give your friend the plugs. So I think I'm going to like this too. What is Scott Atkins' uh podcast? It's called The Art of
6: Action and he
2: interviews everybody Keanu
6: Reeves, like all of these great stunt coordinators and stunt guys and the
2: martial artist You're saying he interviews uh Keanu Reeves? Yeah. He, so cuz he's in
6: me? John Wick. He plays the fat guy in John well, Wick. He's not a fat guy, he's a hot British guy. But he plays the fat guy in the movie. Listen. um, I love him.
2: Once you told me that he he interviewed uh, Keanu Reeves, you could tell him that I am available. Anyway, (laughs) listen, Phoenix, thank you so much. What a fun time. Uh, Please come back again. You don't have to wait for Jimmy Bird to be out spreading his comedy. You can come back anytime you want. We miss you up around here. And come visit me in Long Island soon at Sarah BJJ. I will. See you guys later. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Bye unfiltered out i will never say that again i like it thank you buddy
0: the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble